0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 94. The fate of the podcast is in your hands. Welcome back, everybody. Um, hope you've enjoyed your break. Welcome to 2016. It is great to be here.
1: Yes, we made it to 2016, oh. as my daughter greatly enjoys talking <laughs> about. <laughs> well, welcome, Julius. How are you doing? Doing quite well, doing quite well, not quite used to saying 2016 yet. Yeah, this
0: might be the first time I've mentioned it. All right, so what do we got on the show today? We're going to be talking about Hostage Negotiator. It's a game I've been looking forward to talking about. And Dice City. All right, a game which I've seen in my game store.
1: Which you've seen in your game store, but you haven't played.
0: No, I'm qualified to talk about it, though. I've seen it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, I guess that counts. But first, let's see if we have any news. You have any news? I
0: do. I have one item only. Um, I I came across a podcast the other day on solitaire board games in Spanish called "Jugando Solo," playing alone. It is uh, on episode thirteen. It is in Spanish. the The host is in actually in Italy in Pisa, but he he does it in in Spanish. And I've been listening to it. I am up to about episode eleven now, and really enjoying it. It's really it sounds really great, and it's really interesting. You're fluent in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, that was my first language. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I could be more fluent. I haven't spoken it that much, so it's gotten really rusty. Okay. I could hear, I could listen to it better than I could speak it.
1: I Definitely. know no Spanish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, and so that's it. That's my news. I'll include link in the show notes, but it's also now on the One Player Guild. So if you go there and you look for the in the header for the podcast link, you'll find it in there
1: too. Alright, and another piece of news, uh, do you recall Land 6 from the recent Print and Play Solo contest? Yep, I remember that game. So in Land 6, the idea is that you are, I mean, the 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 theme of the game is that you are the Lord of Dice in a battle against the Lord of the Cubes, but the idea of Land 6 in brief is that there's a set of tiles, and the start tile and the end tile are not randomized, but the other tiles that build up the center of the board are randomized. And each tile has one of various different types of lands on it. There are cities, which are lands that allow you to put out new dice. There are farms that allow you to increase the value on other dice. There's seas that allow you to reroll other dice. And there's forests that allow you to attack the Lord of Cubes. And the idea of the game is to... Um, take over the Lord of Cubes city, which is on the far side of the board. So you have to put down your dice and move across the whole board. So this was one of the top ranked games in the recent print and play contest. And it's actually been developed into an Android app, which is being made completely for free. Um, And we'll make sure to put a link in the show notes about it. But this is the land six app, um, which was developed by board not studios. And Albert, do you have an Android phone? I do. I do have one. I'm going to load it right now and find that. You do. Yeah, this is actually a really good implementation of it. Um, I know that I've been uh, talking with the developer of it for a a while now. And here you can even hear the music come again. I like the music that they used for it. Um, They had a nice soundtrack that goes this. It sounds almost like a mechanical um, repeating track. Mm
0: Mm-hmm
1: and of course you don't have to play with that but it has the difficult difficulty board settings and the random board layout and you can set it up to to be challenging and or excuse me you can set it up to be just like in the real game where you can set it to be a bit easier by turning on an undo button and i like a lot of the graphical elements it uses a very colorful style graphical element and the an animation for how the cubes come out and it has an excellent tutorial Really, this is—it's such a short game to play that I can play a game of it in five, ten minutes, and I'm really enjoying getting a lot of extra play out of it. I printed off a copy of it back during the print and play. I'm enjoying the app version of it so much more because it's such a small, short game, and the, this this version of it plays so nicely and so smoothly. I'm pulling it out all the time right now. It is such a good implementation of Land Six. I'm really, really enjoying it.
0: Nice. Yeah, the art looks nice on it. The The original is black and white art, isn't it? It's not the same art at all. Well,
1: it depends upon which type you print. Ah. So there were a couple versions that came out originally. There was an initial black and white that came out, and he later added color. And there were also some other ones. The The one that I preferred of the printable ones, there was someone else who had, I think he called it a Catan-esque, Catan-esque art.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that art looked more like a Catan board being laid out um and so that was the art that i personally preferred uh and i thought it was okay i thought it was fine um perfectly I, I that was that was the art that i preferred because i thought that the colors really popped for that one i don't think he pulled any existing elements for this version of the game i'm not sure because i know there are a couple redesigns i don't recall um but the art here, the the very, very nice colorful. I mean, if you're familiar with Android and the idea of material design, it, it has that sort of look to it with the nice floating buttons and the uh, wavy line art and the different colors. I just think it looks, it, it's a really good implementation. I really do like it.
0: Very cool. Okay.
1: Yeah, I look forward to trying it. Yep. And it's got a good tutorial, too. Nice. Okay. That's something that's very, very important in a, in a um, board game. I do like the tutorial.
0: Yeah, that that that's really useful in a in an app game. Nice. All right.
1: Any more news? Um, one that I don't I'm not sure if there's any solo games on it. But do you play any games online against other people? Um, Star Realms. Star I Realms still play Star Realms. Yep. That's all. Okay. Um, I do play some against some other people, and the only one that I think I play solo is Nation's Dice from Botejo, um, mm-hmm. who does a solo version of Nation Dice. I don't think there's any other solo ones online, but just recently, Board Game Arena, which is the other um, online board game place that I use the most often, uh, they actually just recently made it so that it works on mobile. Mm, nice, okay. So they readapted so that you can play online board games from your phone or from somewhere else, which means you could just take a turn whenever it happens and you know you got a little bit of free time pull up and play another turn. And uh, not really not really relevant for solo gaming because I don't think they have anything solo there, but I'm getting a lot of use out of it since they just turned that switch on just just recently, and I'm already enjoying being able to just pull up my phone and take another turn.
0: Cool, okay. Yeah, I've played games on my phone before, like uh, on Yucata Day um, against friends, and it was hard to play it on my mobile phone. It just did not work well. So it's, right, it's nice to know no, that somebody is implementing something that does work.
1: Right, now they've implemented it. So I've already played a game of Targi. Um, I've mm-hmm. already played a game of, let's see, what else have I played with it? I played Targi, I played Takinoko, I played Stone Ages, and I've played Hive. Since they did it, because I want to go and take a look and see how it is. Because those were some of the ones that I thought I would enjoy doing. So I'm in the middle of all of those games, um, and it works very well on on mobile. So I'm I'm really happy that they did that. It's very much more convenient for me. Much more convenient for me. Very cool. All right, and that's the news. That's all the news that I have. Okay, not much. This may be a short episode. I think it's a more quiet time, um, especially within New Year's. I mean, I was actually listening to some other statistics on like Kickstarter and the. Uh, Gaming in general, that you know, around the new year's is actually the quietest time for Kickstarters and game announcement and releases. So, we we are we are sort of in the lull phase, which you probably were already quite aware of.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't been doing much, (laughs) I've been taking this time to actually play games for a change.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, do we have any Kickstarter news? Well, we do have a couple of things. Um, first, just to announce that Nemo's War is mm-hmm. now um, out and accessible for people who want to go pledge for that one.
0: Yep, that and that that looks great. We talked uh, with Alan Emmerich a few weeks ago, so you may want to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. This is a, such a great-looking game. It really it does is. Look pretty
1: awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the game is already funded. It's been live for
1: less than a week. Right? About five days or so maybe. Something like that. They found it pretty fast. And mm-hmm. I think they I think they finished off all of their stretch goals. I think they finished all of their stretch goals at this point.
0: Yeah, in a day or two, maybe. So but
1: I guess they'll come up with more or something, maybe after the I don't know. The if they come up with more, they could just say, I don't know, we're done.
0: The folks have been asking for, for custom dice that that look like scrimshaw, which is a whalebone. Okay. So maybe maybe they'll come up with that.
1: That should be pretty not, easy to do. I'm not familiar with what it is that people have been asking. Yeah,
0: I saw that. I haven't paid much more attention, but from the sound of it, they are going to try and add more stretch
1: goals. Okay. So. We will see. Mm-hmm. But So that's Nemo's War. And just to refresh, um, the, on last time they didn't announce how much it would be. Um, if you want one copy of the game, it's $56. Um which does count in the slightly more expensive range for me. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't I don't know about you. It's it's hard to really judge expensive things. Like, you know, it is, it is on the more expensive side of things. Additionally, since uh, it doesn't actually cover shipping for their other game, uh, Dawn of the Zeds. So then they included shipping, and so this time they've chosen not to include shipping because it's just harder for them to not get, you know, suck dry because of that. Mm-hmm. So you still yep. have to pay shipping. So for example, if you're in the US, it's $11 in addition to the $56 for the game.
0: Yep. And I believe the shipping's being done through Ship Naked, and which is supposed to be EU friendly and all that. I I've seen a lot of people complaining about the shipping costs if you're not in the US. But if you check the game's page, one of the updates they have links for, for BGG threads where people are, are trying to combine shipping w- with other folks in the same countries and same regions to save to save on the cost. So you want to check that out. Um, there is an update from December 30th. And, and you'd want to look for that one. And I've also seen on, on BGG, if you go to the games page, I think there's more posts about that sort of thing.
1: So that's uh, Nemo's War.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think we've discussed it plenty. I don't think we can discuss it much more. Yep. There you go. That's right. All right. Um, and then the other one that uh, is also coming out new is the Exalted Siege. Let me send this one to you, unless you already have it out. I do not. The Exalted
0: Siege. What an interesting name. The Exiled Siege. Oh, I'm The sorry. Exiled.
1: The Exiled Siege. Siege. Excuse me, cannot read. The Exiled Siege. And hey, this has minis. Not only does it have minis, hats off to them, <laughs> they actually have two options. You can pick up the game with cubes, or you can pick up the game with minis. So if you pick up the game with only cubes, it's only sixty bucks. But if you pick up the game with minis, it's eighty bucks. Wow, okay. That's so neat. That's that's a really I
0: cool like idea. Mm hmm. What?
1: I've talked about other people who've done that before, who say, you know, if you want to get a slightly cheaper game, the minis aren't that important. You just get the cubes, and it's fine. For me, you know, the minis look nice, but, you know, the cubes are just fine with me, and you save 20 bucks on the game. I mean, most of the pictures, they have pictures of what it looks like with the cubes, and they have pictures of what it looks like with the minis. You know, I'm fine. Yeah, and you know, with the cubes, it looks like your typical Euro game. Looks just fine. I mean, I prefer if the cubes were shaped meeples instead. I I, I prefer that because it's sort of an in-between. But honestly, I'm fine with the cubes. Mm-hmm.
0: I I agree. The, sometimes minis just end up taking too much space, and they topple over and all that, and they can end up actually being a little bit difficult in, in a game like this that's so
1: kind of crowded board. I think it's a potential problem. I mean, they have they have a comparison picture where you can see one picture with the cubes and one picture right below it with what the minis look like. And so, you know, you can see a lot of the things on the one with the cubes and you see the tiles and the tokens and the things with the minis. It's sort of just, I don't know if it dominates or not, but it looks like it takes up almost the entire space with just the minis. Yeah. But on on the other hand, minis do look nice. Yep.
0: So the the art on the board is also really nice. It looks like it's a castle and the surrounding countryside and villages. It's a really well-done art. Um And
1: well, the pieces are sort of puzzle-shaped. Well, let's let's talk about what's going on. So the idea of what's going on in this game is that um each of the players is being told that they have to colonize a new land. And so they'll start by building cities and hiring different fighters and upgrading it better fortifications and building and siege engines. And the whole idea, there are these other natives of various different types that are coming in and attacking you of barbarians and monsters and war machines and witches and all sorts of nastiness that are coming onto the board to try and come and attack. And the goal of the defenders is to survive throughout the throughout the whole survive all wave, sort of a tower defense. Whereas the attacker has to conquer the city. And so you can play if you're playing with multiplayers, you can play where one of the players becomes the attacker and everyone else is the defenders, or you can just play that everyone is a defender and it's completely co-op. So you can either have player versus player, player versus environment. If you're playing just one player, obviously you're just going to be playing as the defenders against um, the game controlled attackers.
0: Okay, I like that you have different options. That's always nice. Different ways to play. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's nice that they do include that, and I do like the the fact that they also include a completely co op mode as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I, agree. I mean,
1: you can you can see one of the progressions of the images of the tile about how you start upgrading your city. How it just starts with a simple wooden wall, and by the end of it, you are fully upgraded with the solid stone defenses.
0: Hmm. And so this one ends the day before Nemo's War. This ends on January twenty seventh. Hmm. So, so if you're backing them both, your wallet's going to take two big hits. Bam, bam.
1: If you back them both.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is it's like sixty dollars, and the miniatures are not. Are they seem at about twenty twenty one dollars? Is that right?
1: Um. Well, maybe not here. even. I don't know. It's. I think it's. It's fifty dollars if you don't want the miniatures, and it's eighty dollars if you do want the miniatures.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I see. There is a. So it's a s- it's
1: a thirty dollar difference if you want the miniatures, unless you get the early bird.
0: Yep, and there's there's still over a hundred and fifty left of those, so maybe you can.
1: There's three hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three hundred left. Of the early bird. Oh, I'm sorry. I was reading backwards. You're looking at the, I'm not sure which one you're looking at. <laughs> that was there's bad various math. different. There's various different pledges. There's yeah. there's the adventurer, which is the basic copy of the game, and then you can do the champion, which gives the limited edition hero card and autographs and extra stuff and other things like that. And then you can also get the copy with the miniatures, which is seventy five dollars early bird or eighty dollars without early bird. Okay. And then there's the early bird for getting the extra stuff with the minis and et cetera, et cetera. Which, it appears, is the most popular one. <laughs> People want the everything.
0: You know, because if you don't, you'll miss out. You'll never get another chance.
1: Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but I play so many games that, oh, oh well. <laughs> what can you say?
0: You know, yeah, I, I was playing... um. D-Day Dice yesterday with my son hey, we're having a great time and I, and I was telling him how, about how the Kickstarter happened and, and had all the stuff and how it got crazy out of hand and all this and you know when I backed it I only backed it for the basic game so I've got that plus all the bonus stuff but I don't have any expansions I was thinking boy I wish I really had the expansions I should go online and pay a fortune for them now you don't, I don't need them <laughs> I missed out on them and that's okay because you know what I'm just, I've got enough
1: Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So that is the Exalted Siege, and like you said, this one is going to be finishing up on January 27th. The exi- the Exiled Siege. I know I keep the ex- saying the Exalted. <laughs> That's right. The Exiled Siege. I will get it right eventually. And You gotta put a
0: gap between Exiled and Siege. The Exiled Siege. There's a colon in
1: there. There's- there is a colon in there
0: otherwise it sounds like the siege itself is
1: exiled well it's it's the siege of the exiled people because the people you are an exile people <laughs> and you're being sieged yeah but the siege isn't exiled it pe- would be very hard to exile a siege <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you would exile a siege <laughs> that'd be convenient oh no we're
0: being besieged exile them Yeah. Good.
1: That, good, that's good, luck <laughs> good luck with that good luck with that Good luck to you, I say, yeah. sir. Good luck.
0: <laughs> All right. So so that's it. Two items on Kickstarter.
1: Oh, well, there's a third, but... There's uh, a third, but it's... Third. You familiar with it? No, I've,
0: I've not heard of that one.
1: This is Global Collapse.
0: Risk. It looks like it Risk. It looks
1: like Risk. <laughs> they, they have a nice big copy. This is This is Global Collapse, which calls itself a one-to-five-player tabletop board game to save the world. Okay. That the idea is that the world powers are putting aside their rivalries in order to cooperate and strategize to lower carbon emissions while solving the many crises around the world.
0: I see. Okay. Now, this is actually for a print and play game. The, it's a $5 or $10 pledge. And when you get is it, soft copies, PDFs and whatnot. True. That's interesting. I don't think I've seen Kickstarters for, for print and play.
1: Well, surprise I mean, he's funded. He asked, his, he asked for $1,000, and he's already funded with it. So there there were some people who apparently were interested. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm not quite sure how that funding works. Because, let's see here, there's, let's say there's 45 backers at $10 each, that's 450 and yet he has twice that and pledged. Somebody just pledged a bunch extra. Somebody did pledge a bunch extra. Which is surprising to see that happen because it's still got 28 days to go.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, you know, it's weird that this is on Kickstarter for print and play because th- there's no cost, right, it's, to make it. Other than maybe if he needs still to produce it or something. Well, he still has the to art.
1: produce it because, let me, I mean, take a look at Project Challenges. You don't normally see these sort of things in Project Challenges, but he says in Project Challenges... Um, to fully finish the project, I have to devote some of my vacation time to create all of the game components and write up the rules with professional quality. Besides designing the game and having it built by a custom board game manufacturer, I then need to play test it and work out any faults or shortcomings.
0: Um, wait, so you're saying he's getting it printed by a game manufacturer?
1: Well, I'm not quite sure. He needs time to create the game components and write up the rules. And he also will then need to play test it and work out any faults and shortcomings. Hmm, okay. I think he has things in backwards order.
0: Yeah, so this game isn't quite
1: done. done. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so, I mean, in a way, though, this, in my mind, this is more really what Kickstarter should be about, to help somebody create something. You know, a lot of the Kickstarter projects are like, you know, outside of the realm of games and electronics, people are like trying to create some sort of artistic endeavor. And that's what this guy's trying to do in a way. He so wants to make he's... this game. He needs to design yeah. it. And that's what he needs the money for.
1: Yeah, I guess. I'm, I think he's just trying to get himself paid in order to be able to design this game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is what he's looking for.
0: Yeah, he can't take the time off to do it because he, he can't work for free, basically. Which makes sense. <laughs> money, okay.
1: So, But it's a. It looks, it looks very simple. It is what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so we'll include the links for this too. And this has 28 days to go from today, so February 1st. So that's Global Collapse. All right, and that is Kickstarter. All right, so first we are talking about, well, next we are talking about the game Hostage Negotiator by AJ Porfidio. This is the hostage negotiation game.
1: A hostage negotiation <laughs> game? What a yeah. unique
0: theme. <laughs> and it is, because if you look on BGG, for example, there's only, like I think, one other game with the word hostage in it. Oh,
1: really? Uh, let's only one game with hostage in it?
0: Well, okay, so th- there used to be only one, I think. There is Hostage, the board game. There's Hostage Negotiator. There's Hostage. There's Who ya the Navy SEALs card game. Mission, hostage rescue, promo card. There's a few, okay? I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> There's a few, but definitely most prominent is Hostage
1: Negotiator. Agreed. So why don't you go ahead and describe the game for us, Albert.
0: All right. So this is a, a solitaire-only game. This is um, – in it, you're basically a hostage negotiator fighting a hostage taker. Not fighting, but you're trying to to calm him down. You're on the phone talking to this guy. Or maybe you're in person. I don't know. I've always assumed you're on the phone. And and you're having conversations.
1: Well, you're clearly on the phone because if you look at the cards – you can see him on the on the walkie-talkie with him. That's true. On the cards, okay. he's holding a walkie-talkie. And he's saying "keep cool" or whatever else. See,
0: I picture sometimes he must run into the to the building and talk to the guy through the door and that sort of thing. You know.
1: Well, I mean, there has to be yeah. some of that because some <laughs> of the cards explicitly talk about him doing just that.
0: See, okay, there you go. But so, so this out. is basically recreating a hostage situation, which somebody has taken some prisoners in uh, exchange for some demands of theirs to be met. Um, the game brings three different hostage takers, each a little different, uh, with different needs and demands and all that. Um, the way the game plays, basically you're, you're having conversation with a person, you're, you're playing conversation cards, you're rolling dice to see how the conversation goes, and and dealing with the repercussions of that. Hopefully being able to to talk to him in a soothing way, I guess, such that, Future conversations could go more smoothly. So that—that's the game in a nutshell, without talk of mechanics or any of that nonsense. Um,
1: are we not going to give us? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are. So, <laughs> so what this game brings—if you get the game, it's a small box. It's a really small box. Um, I'd say about too small. <laughs> I if you box. have all the expansions and everything, yes, it is too small. I'm looking forward for a bigger box. Though I love the size of it. I need a second box in the same size, maybe. I don't know. I need something. No, I just... I mean, I did the same thing
1: with Onirim. <laughs> Once I went ahead and sleeved everything with Onirim, I had to move it to a bigger box. I'm going to have to do that with this one, too.
0: Oh, uh, I fit everything into one box. With in sleeves. No, oh. into I was a negotiator. Oh, no. I can fit with sleeves? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they're oh, all I sleeved.
0: Though they're I mean, very thin well, sleeves. They're not everything.
1: like Fantasy Flight sleeves or anything like that. I mean, currently everything fits in the box, but I haven't actually sleeved the game. Currently everything fits in a box. But if there's another four expansions that are coming out, it's not going to fit in a box.
0: No, that, that won't happen. Well, okay, so the box is small. And what, has, what does the box have? It has a bunch of cards, some dice, and a bunch of neat meeples. um, And a board, right? Yep. the and rules. And the rules, yeah. So there's a bunch of hostage meeples. These are little yellow people. They all look exactly the same. One's missing one, one's missing a leg. Uh, or yes, or one of my other ones now has a a wound on the head. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. But you take the, your meatballs <laughs>
1: mee- You're like, how dare you, die? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it has a little brown spot right at the top of the head, like if like a blood stain or something, and then a smear. So so the last time I played, as a matter of fact, that hostage was on the bus and got knocked over or something when the bus when the guy drove too fast on the curve or something hurt his head and ended up dying. He was the only victim that died bus um the rest got away to Mexico unfortunately anyway uh, I'm digressing here the as you can see, I enjoy the theme a lot of this game it's a lot of fun the you get these meeples the hostages you get a red meeple for the hostage taker. And you get a little conversation meeple that looks like a little conversation word bubble sort of thing. The Then you have a board. The board is used to keep track of the number of conversation points you have. You use that little conversation word bubble to keep track of that. And it has a threat level which you use the hostage taker meeple, the red meeple, to keep track of the current threat level. The threat level is basically a number from 1 through... I guess 0 through 7 really. They could go up and down. It starts at a different number depending on each individual hostage taker and what, how angry they are. The lower the number, the better. As a, as a matter of fact, it also determines how many dice you roll. Normally, it's two dice. If you get it down to, I think a a one or lower, you get and to roll a third or die, a one or S. And if you get it all the way up to to the top okay. level K, then you're rolling only one die each time, which is really bad. You have that you're um, in trouble.
1: Yeah, because also to... if you're all the way up in K, every time it gets one more threat, you actually have one of the hostages get killed. Yep,
0: and if you're only rolling one die, chances are that's going to be happening more. So, so the threat level basically is, is a indicator of how the conversation, how tense the hostage taker is currently. If it if he's up high number up at K, he's really tense, and saying the wrong thing is bad news. It it could get people killed, It could get him angry if he's if the number's low, he's in a good mood, it's things are going well, your conversations are going well. He might be willing to let a hostage go easily. Um so anyway, so besides the board and, the, and all the different meeples, you got the dice. It brings five dice, they're custom dice. They have the numbers 1 through 6, but also two of the sides, I believe, or maybe only one of the sides I'm not sure, I guess, has a shield and another side has five a, and, six, a pair of five cards. and six
1: has a shield and four right. is a pair of cards.
0: Right. So when you're I playing the game, you want to roll those fives and sixes, you want to roll the shields, or, or if that doesn't succeed, you at least want to roll a, the pair of cards, which you could turn into shields by discarding cards from your hand. Two cards. So, yep, two cards. So the next thing then is all the cards. There's a few different types of cards. There's your conversation cards. There's... I'd say 15 or 20 of those I'm not sure exactly there's a bunch that have a zero cost there's a pair of one cost a few different two cost cards three cost cards and then some that are more expensive all the way up to I believe a seven cost eight cost eight cost look at
1: that I'm holding them them in front of (laughs) me
0: the each card basically the conversation card you're going to play this during your turn and it's going to have three different results and you're gonna, when you play a conversation during your turn, and I guess I'm sort of jumping forward here, you'll play the card, and it will have descriptive text on the top of what you're telling, so the hostage taker, and, and then the, the results of rolling. What's that?
1: And the bottom. And the bottom. It's, well, yeah, there's a right. brief at the top and then a full text at the bottom. So, for instance, I'm holding keep cool in my hand. So, keep cool says, let's keep our heads now. Neither one of us will get what we want if we lose our cool that's right
0: so when you're playing this you're rolling dice to see if you succeed or fail right normally you roll two dice depending on the threat level you roll two dice if you get two shields then you use a top result from the card if you get one shield you use the middle result. if you get none you use the bottom result generally speaking the higher up the better the ones at the very bottom are just bad um, whenever you get zero shields that's, that's bad news at, at best nothing happened and, and I don't think there's actually a cases where nothing happens. Usually the threat level goes up or you lose conversation, conversation. points or ends a conversation. Or he which kills is, people. Oh, frustrating. Or he kills people. That's right. And some of the more extreme ones. The good results are things like more conversation points, uh, free people, free some hostages, lower the threat level. Or in some of the high and really expensive cards, you actually get to take out the, negotiate, the hostage taker. Shoot the him. Negotiator. Snipers. Move in. That's right. Um, so those are those cards. Besides that, you also have the cards for the hostage taker. There's three different hostage takers. They're a little different. They're each unique people with different names. One of them, for example, is a teacher who's gotten frustrated, things aren't going well, and takes a classroom full of kids hostage. Another one is a man whose son is in the hospital that needs surgery to save his life and is not getting help. He's gotten frustrated and now has taken people hostage in the hospital to save his son. And the third one is a... Evil dude. Yeah, he's just a a mean hostage taker kind of guy. Terrorist sort of looking person. He's
1: He's just evil.
0: Yeah. And each of these, they start a different threat level. They take different number of hostages. And they also have things that work a little different. Um, For example, I believe the, the guy in the hospital doesn't ever actually kill people instead of killing. Doesn't he, he set them free or something? He, if he gets angry. Yeah,
1: I, I think with him, he just continues to get angrier and angrier. And then if he reaches all the way, so then I think he just goes ballistic. Just like when we pull out that card, mm-hmm. I can explicitly say it. Let's see here. Uh, Edward Quinn, if it ever reaches K, he immediately kills all the remaining hostages and then escapes. But until then he doesn't actually kill anybody.
0: That's right. Where other hostage takers will just kill one person at a time. Actually, they won't kill anybody just because they reach K. Okay? Just if it goes beyond that, they'll kill one person. But this guy, if he ever gets there, everybody's dead.
1: He just goes ballistic and that's it. Mm-hmm.
0: So every hostage taker is a little bit different. Um, I mean, also, I think that they
1: really, I mean, to me, they actually have the, the different arts sort of evoking a different sort of feel to them.
0: Yes. At least the do.
1: basic ones. Like, for example,. With the with the few ones, this Edward Quinn character, the person who's just trying to get medical treatment for his son, really the card art evokes a sort of sympathy and, and sadness for this poor guy who's in this plight. He's being driven to horrible things, but it, it really evokes the sadness. Whereas with Donna Scarborough, the teacher, she just looks crazy. And really the card <laughs> art just brings out that she is the nut. She is the person who just went absolutely crazy and just mad. Whereas Arcane, he has this dark card out concealed in shadows, and he just looks evil. So the the card art for each of their images really brings home what, it, what they sort of embody, how they work.
0: Yep, that's right. And all the art in this game is very well done, too. It's very consistent and, and just does a good job of portraying the theme of
1: the game. Well, actually, just in terms of the card art, I think that, I mean... When I originally had seen it on Kickstarter, I thought that some of it needed a little bit of work, and I think really the only thing that I was a little put off by was the escape and um was I think it I think it was the escape cards that on the back of them let's just see here. Yeah, the escape demand cards are just this guy going out an open door. Um, and I remember looking at it on Kickstarter and thinking that it just looked very plain. But when you see everything all put together and how it all works together, I think that really the card out all mm-hmm. meshes together into this uh, into a nicer set of art all together.
0: Yeah. Well, the the original version in the first Kickstarter actually looked more like a stick figure. It almost looked like the one player dude running out of the door. Um. That style of art, which is you know very different from the rest of the game, mm-hmm. and folks comment on that, and, and so AJ had it changed. Um,
1: and so, so that's so really, a wait, couple cards we haven't that mentioned. The art yet. that I'm recalling is actually different than the art that's currently in the game.
0: Maybe if it, if you're thinking of the first Kickstarter, yes. Interesting. He fixed it for that. It, it really was one player dude running out the door. Interesting. I, I kind of wish he'd stay there, just because you know who he was. But anyway, so. So there is actually a couple other types of cards right which um which Julius just mentioned, which is the uh the demands sorry, the demand cards thank you there's unique demands each hostage taker hostage takers, the what they want and for example for the uh for the Quinn guy he wants his his son to to have surgery or, or whatever so those are his major demand cards. The teacher has different demands and the other guy has different demands and besides that there's also escape demands, which is uh, common you sh- they're shared among all the hostage takers and you actually draw a couple each for each time you're gonna play and there's a few different minor escape demands and things like a bus or a helicopter or a yacht or whatever. Um, some hostage takers may have one demand of each some may have more than one of one type or the other. It, again, depends by the hostage taker. Oh, look at that!
1: So I went, when you I went and looked th- up the the original art for the Escape demands. yeah, look at that. You are right. It was a different mm-hmm. art, and I really was put off by that on the Kickstarter way back when. And it looks so yep. much nicer. I think it's funny how much I put into that one piece of art with that one piece of Escape Demand. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I did not initially back the game was because of that one piece of art. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, oh, because that's funny. Uh, it was it was so vibrant and vivid that it just it. Really, just shook off for the whole thing for me, and I didn't. I, I really passed out, really, because of that one piece of art. And seeing it in its final version w- looks like a, a drawing of a person walking through the door. It matches everything else so much better. Yep, I, the box fun. cover also changed.
0: The original box cover was different. It was the hostage taker from the first expansion pack. I forget his name. The, the business guy, and it, it the the new one looks much better. The other one was cool, but this one just it just much better. Okay. So it was a great job. Um, and that's another thing people talked about and said, you know, be nice if this changed. I don't like this one. I don't remember the reasons people gave, but so so again, this got changed. Um, so that was, that was neat. That was neat to see it, the Kickstarter project working where, where people were giving feedback and the feedback was taken and the, the final result was made even better. Yeah. So okay, so we talked about most of the cards. The rest of the cards are the threat cards, the terror cards. Yes, there's a bunch of red ones and a a couple of I forget what they're called. You have them handy. You might know what they're called. Pivotal events. Pivotal events. So when you play, you're gonna put one pivotal pivotal event card on the bottom out of out of maybe five or ten that you have. You draw one randomly. You don't look at it. Six. Okay, and then you draw ten of the threat cards, and is it called threat? Am I getting that wrong Terror, again? Terror, thank you. I'm sorry. So you draw 10 out of, I think, 20 or so terror cards, and you shuffle them and put them on top of the, the pivotal event. These are, generally speaking, bad things are going to happen, but but not always. But there's just things that are, that's going on that are out of your control that just suddenly something happened, and it changes the, the game a little and how the conversation is going. And they could be things for, like, a uh, hostage has been killed or the hostage taker took more hostages or minor demands or somebody was freed or yeah or maybe some extra minor demands and I didn't talk about much about the demands but generally speaking the person is demanding something and you always have the choice of giving into the demand and when you give into the demand you get something in return but then that tends to have a bad consequence for the rest of the game
1: there's usually something good that happens immediately, but there's another yes. penalty for conceding which can happen continuing onwards or can just happen for that turn, depending upon the specific one that you're talking about
0: yep and generally speaking the more that he that you're giving him or the more you're getting, the more he's going to get out of it later some some you can concede and oh he wants water, no problem, give it to that that you know the consequence is still so trivial, why not? others is like you know he, he wants a helicopter and a yacht sure you could have that but, but gonna it's gonna cost you yeah that's like. right that's right there's a few that if you concede the demand he escapes immediately after that so you, you could you could give that one up if, if you think you could win right away so anyway that that's some of the strategy that happens in the game so that's all the different things um when you're gonna play you pick the hostage checker you're gonna play against you set him aside you, you set up the the threat level and the number of hostages based on who you have. You, you pick the uh, the demand cards based on who you, the hostage taker. You set up all the conversation cards. And you you set up the uh, terror deck with 11 cards in it. And, and now you're ready to play. You'll take all the zero-cost conversation cards into your hand. Um, And when you're playing the game, each turn there, there's three steps. One is you have conversations, which is basically you play a card from your hand and resolve the card generally speaking roll the dice to, to do the the conversation roll and then and take the results of the card or you could choose to play the card upside down and when you do that you ignore the card effect and you just get one conversation point automatically Um, th- these conversation cards are going to be playing like we said earlier they're going to maybe free hostages give you more conversation points for the future or adjust the threat level Once you decide to stop playing cards, or you've run out of cards, or the conversation ended prematurely because of a bad die roll... You then go on to the second phase, which is using any conversation points you've earned this round... You could buy new conversation point cards. New conversation cards. Um, you'll, You'll buy the cards and put them in your hand... All the cards you used last round now go back into that deck. You don't you don't keep them for yourself. you got to buy them again in the future. All zero-cost cards are easy to buy. You could always just take them if they're available. But, uh, for example, if you use a two-cost or three-cost card, that gets discarded. And if you want to use it again, you'll have to actually buy it again, which is different to what some people think. I, um, I've read a lot on BGG where people misunderstood the rules and thought once you bought the card, it was yours permanent, you could keep using it. That makes the game a lot easier if you do that. Um,
1: <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, that's not how you play. No, no also, that's I'm not also sorry. I've seen some people who immediately when you use it, you could buy it back again, but that's also incorrect. Mm. When you use it, you can't buy it back until next round.
0: Yep, and, and that makes thematic sense. You, you can't keep telling the guy the same thing over and over. It's just going to – it's not going to work. Right? You, you can't keep telling the same thing over and over. It's mm. just not going to work. Yep. <laughs> so so you're going to have the conversation you're going to buy the cards and then the third thing in the turn is you flip over the terror card and resolve that uh, it's generally pretty straightforward you do whatever it says usually bad, sometimes if you're lucky it's good and then you go on to the next turn and keep doing the same thing over and over not that many That's, good ones I think
1: there's like one isn't
0: there there's a couple I think I'm not sure there's a couple that free hostages Um, Anyway, so so you'll keep playing that way until either you have freed all the hostages or you run through the terror deck or the hostage taker escapes or... Well, I should say not freed until either all the hostages are are freed or killed and there's no hostages left in the hostage pool. He doesn't have anybody left anymore. Um, And the hostage taker's dead, escaped, or you went through the terror deck. Those are different ways to end. The only good way to end is if you have rescued at least half the hostages. In that case, you've won the game. Every other scenario, you've lost the game. Well, no, If I'm sorry. If you've rescued at least half the hostages and caught, the, caught or killed the hostage taker, you win the game. So if he either gets away or has killed more than half the hostages, you lose the game. And that's basically the game in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. There are some expansions for it. Each, Each expansion so far is one new hostage taker. With some other extra cards,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why we waited for a while to actually review this one is because of these expansions. Initially, uh, the first two had been available, but only in limited supply, but they sold out very quick. So it took some time to republish and get those next two, and then... So now they're up to four, because they just did the last four all at once. And each of them comes in this nice foil-wrapped package, which I think is a really nice way of distributing the expansion when it's such a small expansion, it's each one of these is a sixteen card, sixteen new cards that's added to it, and it's a new abductor. So each one of these is a new abductor pack. Although one of them actually is a double abductor, um, so it's two cards making up a, a pair of people who are acting together as the abductor. But each one of these is a new abductor with a couple extra things. So for example, um, abductor pack one is a new person. the The new abductor is someone who just got fired from being CEO. And now he's taking the board members hostage and you have to work with him or you have to convince him to release the hostages or or work that one out. And that one comes with the new internal influence um, cards, which lets you do a secret way to communicate with one of the hostages and work together for that one. So each one of them brings up some extra new things. Um, I think that the second one comes with the decide mechanic, if I'm correct. Yes, that's one that has Rolf and Dolph, the twins. Rolf and Dolph, the twins, who are two abductors. And that one comes with the new decide mechanic that when one of the terror cards comes up or some other card comes up, um, it may force you to do a decide, in which case you'll have to pick one of two cards to resolve and do the other ones. So it can make a different set of things that happen. And then the third one that came out, which is the one that I've played most recently...
0: Um. What is the third one?
1: Oh, so the third one is actually that's the one with the Stockholm syndrome. Um. So the third one has a police, uh, a police person who's taken hostages, and in this case, he's he claims that he's been um, he's been framed for murder, and he's taken hostages to try and somehow make everyone believe that he's not actually a murderer. It doesn't seem particularly wise to me um but it's up to you to at the same time as you're done with the hostage situation also try and get a way to um solve the case and figure out who it really was and this one comes with the stockholm syndrome where some of the hostages may decide that they actually will agree with him about whatever else going on. And so then they cannot be rescued until they come out of it. And so that creates also a new way of losing the game that if you have more than five hostages who get the Stockholm syndrome, so then you'll also lose the game.
0: Yep. That's right. And so each of these expansion packs, some of the cards are specific to that hostage to, to that uh, abductor. Some of them are, um, you could just add to your base game and use them whenever you want
1: yeah, that's mostly with the terror cards. So the terror cards come with what looks like a little hole in them. And so when it's specific to one of those abductors, so then that hole will be filled in with their face. Now, personally, I don't know about you if you keep those separate, but I actually just keep a big deck of all of the terror cards, and so mixed in with those are all of the terror cards that are specific for all the different hostages, uh, all the different abductors. And so I'll just shuffle that whole deck up and draw 10 cards out of that, then that'll be the cards I do for the game. And if I turn over someone who's specific to an Abductor that's not in the game, I'll just put it back on the bottom of the big deck, the ones that didn't come in the game, and draw another one out and see if that one matches. And if not, I'll keep drawing.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's an easy way to do it, so you don't have to like dig through it before you set it up. Right.
1: I think that's it's just easier on me because, exactly, I, I don't want to have to deal with setup, and you know it's it works just fine.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is, is a quick game to play. It's a quick game to set up. It's a quick game to play. And I find it extremely thematic. I, I Every time I play it, I have a fun time playing and having conversations with the abductor and that sort of thing. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I have a few meeples that are, that are damaged or just defective meeples. Well, one's defective and one just has some sort of stain on it. And um, so now the game has more character. One of my meeples is handicapped because his feet are wobbly and he can't stand up straight. So... You know, sometimes I play where this handicapped person has been abducted, and is now a hostage, and you know, maybe maybe everybody feels bad for him and try to set that guy free first or, or that person free first. Or sometimes that person is a little more stubborn and they don't want anybody to take pity on in their handicap, and so they refuse to go. And it just adds more entertainment to the game for me. You know, playing
1: that way. Now that I actually we just discussed only three of the four expansions that are currently out. Um, we didn't discuss the last expansion, which is Abductor Pack 4. Um, and the reason for that is because I actually haven't opened it or played it yet. I am sitting here with a pack. It's still sealed. And I would say I should open it live right now. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo. Let's open it. So it comes with this nice tinfoil wrapping. And so this one is about an Abductor... Um, who's apparently on a bus. And I know that Albert's played it because he mentioned the bus beforehand. And I, not having opened this, said, what are you talking about, a bus?
0: Yeah, I I played this one yesterday. It was really fun. I like this one a lot.
1: And I have the pack open, and we pulled out the cards. And so each one of them actually comes with this um, additional rules card. So far, at least, they've all come with this additional rules card that shows you about some of the different things that are going. And so it looks like here, because you have the bus, and it can either be moving or stopped, it looks like. And the bus can either be moving or stopped.
0: That's right. And then then there's going to be four location cards. I think, well, maybe it's a little more than four. There's a few location cards, and you're always going to have one location that's a current active location. If the bus is stopped, you ignore that location. If not, each location has a different effect. And, and that effect takes place. And, and there are varied effects. In um, one, you cannot actually spend your conversation points. you just They just keep piling up. Um, so you could potentially get really high that way. But until you move off that location or stop the bus, you can't spend them. Now, the story here is that this guy, um, I think he was involved in crime, a drug dealer or something. I'm not sure. And he has taken a bus full of hostages and is now trying to get to Mexico to get away from the, from the U.S., it looks like forces, you always right? just
1: want to have the bus be stopped.
0: Ah, that'd be so great if it worked out that way, too. How do you get it to stop? <laughs> there, there's a conversation card specific to this guy that lets you stop the bus. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So you, you I believe you buy that conversation card by discarding three other cards from your hand, and then you could take that one up. And then row, and hopefully the bus
1: stop. The bus stops. Oh, it's a five conversation cost card to set up a field. Block. Okay, so
0: that's that's the other one, yeah. And so, so these are really really neat because the the location cards change the the game. You know, not every turn, but every few turns.
1: Yeah, there's the, the, the so, detour is the one that mm-hmm. lets you just discard cards to get it. Okay. Yep. That's
0: interesting. And so. And so By the way, this expansion was designed by Mikolaj Lasinski, which is a a podcast session One of the longest time podcast sessions we have. So, shout out to Mikolaj.
1: It looks like you can use the bus with anyone, because there's no markings on it that say you can't use with anyone. But I'll note that the the terror cards are specific only to this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was an oversight. I think it was just
0: left out by mistake for something
1: or well, that's supposed to be the tarot cards are for anyone
0: no i no i think that i think the the bus is really is only meant to be used with him oh yeah i think so i haven't looked into it but i think so
1: well i guess we can ask
0: i mean i suppose there's nothing to stop you from putting somebody else on the
1: bus well then you can't use the terror cards that interact with it that's true so i'm not sure
0: and so that when you actually add the two terror cards you have 12 terror cards in the deck but when you draw those it always says draw another card now the game I played with him yesterday just went so bad I had I started with 9 hostages he picked up 3 more on the way and one of them died and I didn't save a single person it was such an unfortunate game but it was a lot of fun so this is a really neat game. I really like it. I like the theme, and you know maybe I'm biased actually, and I should let people know that I got to play test this game early on, about well, three years ago I guess, and I I only got to play test it for about a month, month and a half, and I just got overwhelmed with life in general and, and stopped playing it. But I played maybe fifteen or twenty games then, and just really liked the game from the beginning. This is a very well designed game. It's very different from anything else, mechanically speaking, I think. It's also thematically, and thematically. different than anything else. Yes, really. yes. You
1: don't see very many things like this, and I think one of the reasons why, and I'll tell you, I, I showed this game to some other people, and I've had a lot of success demoing this at, various, uh, at, at my local game store, but I'll tell you, with some people, this has really fallen flat, and almost entirely because of the theme. And I think that the reason for this is because, really, you don't see any other game where you're really interacting with someone who's quite so um evil i think is really the best thing to do it usually with games there's a much more fantastical experience to it or it's more sort of you know removed from reality you're you're dealing with you know a war or hordes of you know barbarians or you're dealing with rampaging monsters and you're never really dealing with a real human evil, something that really can be taken straight out of real life, and is something that I think most people would really recognize as being evil. And I think that to some people, that really will put will be something that puts them off.
0: Mm-hmm, I imagine so. I wonder if it's also a little hard because you have these little people dying if you don't rescue them. and That could that could be unpleasant. I, I know, for example, my wife does not want to play Pandemic because people are dying in that game, you know, by the millions, I imagine. Um, so so that could be off putting. When I play, I'm always striving to save everybody, and I think sometimes I've lost the game because I've been trying to save every hostage, even though I only need to save half of them to win. If I could then kill the abductor.
1: Well, yeah, I think I do the same thing. Just because to me, I have more fun playing the game thematically than playing it to win. Um, mm-hmm. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. They are like, okay, I saved half of them. Yep. We're done, call it off. To me that it's not <laughs> it's not fun. I'd rather play it when you have a game that has that has so much theme to it, I'd rather play it thematically, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with because yeah, sometimes you may have to to win the game, sacrifice a couple hostages. You know, you, you do a move where where you know somebody's probably gonna die, but that'll get you more conversation points, and then you could win the game by, by killing them off. And, yeah, I always find it hard to do that. I think I have done it a couple times. I but think I've ever done it. I, I generally try and save everybody. No, and, and there are different strategies to, to winning. You know, I think um, I always tend to try and get the, the threat level low because I get you that third die yeah. that you get to roll. But that, there, there definitely are other strategies to winning that involve not doing that.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work. I usually will start. For me, one of the key strategies is to, is to make sure that you get – um, awareness of what his demands are, you know, almost first turn if you can, because so many of the terror cards increase threat if you don't know what his demands are. So yeah. I think that you really have to get the demands out first. But then at that point in time, it's a questionable well, do you want to focus on just rescuing? Do you want to focus on getting the threat even lower? Because as threat continues to get higher, it can be a real fight to keep it low and keep that third die. So you want to continue focusing on threat, do you want to continue f- focusing on wrestling, at one point in time you have a decision, well, <laughs> do you want to try and capture him, or do you want to try and kill him, and how do you want to do that, or do you want to go for you know, the high-cost cards, or do you want to deal with some of the conversation points? And I think also the different repeal ability does, to a certain extent, get helped in the base game, because there's a set of achievements that the base game includes that... Uh, um, are different things that you can do, different ways of winning the games so or different achievements you can sort of unlock. And just sort of mini challenges when you're playing the game to see if you can do all these extra special things.
0: That's true. I forgot about those, but that's true. That adds replayability of the game. I'm surprised more publishers don't do that with their
1: games. Well let me ask you, you forgot about it. How many people do you know that are actually doing those?
0: I you know, I doubt anybody is. So then Maybe why not. the so, more <laughs> That's well, that's true. But a lot of times when I play games, you know And it hasn't happened as much as I used to, because I don't get to play games as much repeatedly. But like, if I played a game a bunch of times, I'd start giving myself challenges like that. Like, oh, let me see if I could like win this way now, and give myself some specific scenario that's harder than normal.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious how many people actually do it. I don't. Okay. Usually, if I'm playing a game to that degree, I'll usually switch to a different game for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know. Once I started doing a podcast, I stopped having the the freedom to play a game over and over and over as much as I used to.
1: Yeah, I hear that. So,
0: <laughs> so, so anyway, so that that is one thing that's in there that's neat. Now, besides all the stuff we mentioned in the expansions, there are some promo cards that are available through the BGG marketplace that were available from the Kickstarter, and what they give you is different roles as the negotiator. Um, so the way you play is you could, I guess, you could draw one randomly or pick one, and that that negotiator negotiator card you play, you could use one during the game. Generally speaking, I haven't actually looked at all of them, and um, it'll give you some benefit. So they, they will tend to just make the game easier, um, and they'll give you some benefit. Like maybe one guy's ability is to to let you reroll a failed roll once during the game, or or change a one to six or something. There's different things. Maybe one person might be able to free one specific one hostage whatever but th- that, that gives you more variability in the game too and does make it a little bit easier so I think that's everything we need to say about hostage negotiating I think so yeah, it's a great game definitely check it out this is the the second printing of it the first one sold really fast so you know pick this one up before it sells out again we'll wait till it's on Kickstarter
1: <laughs> yeah I assume he's gonna be going back to Kickstarter for his next set of expansions
0: I think so. I hope so. No idea. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing. Him. And he has announced four more expansions. I don't think we mentioned that, did we? You touched upon it. And these are going to be designed by other people. I think he mentioned some. Somebody signed up. I don't remember who it was. Some famous designer of some repute. Let me see if I could find that. <laughs> It should be in the news section.
1: I can just throw out names and maybe it'll be right. That's probably not a good way of doing things.
0: <laughs> nice. Four expan- okay, four expansions to release in 2016. Aha. An abductor pack being designed by Kevin Wilson. So one of them is Kevin Wilson. I don't know anything about the other
1: three. Who's Kevin Wilson? He,
0: he, he designed... Well, he designed Android... At least according to BGG, I'm not sure what involving exactly. Arena Maximus, Arkham Horror, oh, okay. he was involved in that. He didn't design Arkham Horror, not originally, I don't think, but he was involved with it. Different Arkham Horror, different Fantasy Flight stuff. Here's a few others. Cosmic Encounter expansion. let me see if I see anything else. Some Descent stuff. Elder Sign, he's involved in that. Tons of Fantasy Flight games. Um. Yep. So there you go. That that's all I have. Okay. All right, and th- and let's move on to our next game, Dice City, Dice Town, Dice City, Dice City. Okay, Dice
1: City. It's a neat, colorful box with a really pretty art. Very colorful box. I think that for Dice City, the the art. Um, really reminds me of Imperial Settlers. It's got these uh, sort of claymation sort of art. Um, very caric- very caricature art, um, which to me really brings home the fact that this is supposed to be a fun light game. <laughs> and it really kind of does that. The idea of Dice City is this is a points race. Um, either when you're playing it solo or when you're playing it multiplayer, the game is a race to points. And there's various ways that the game ends. But you are trying to get the most amount of points, and you have a dice city. Each player has these immensely large player boards, and I'm holding one that's folded. And when you unfold it, it's as large as some other game boards for the central game board. And each player has one of these, and the game board is a grid of a six by s- of a six by five set of what looked like mini cards. And each one of these spaces is somewhere where your dice will go. So you have a white, a yellow, a red, a blue, and a black row. And one, two, three, four, five, six column. And each player gets a set of five dice. And those dice are white, yellow, red, blue, and black. And on your turn, you will roll your five dice. And wherever your dice end up is where you put them on the grid. So the white one will go on the far left corner. The yellow four will go in its spot, and etc. all throughout the board. And then on your turn, you can use each of those dice to activate them to do something on the board. The most standard thing you'll do is you activate the location that the die's on. So, for example, if I have a white one at the beginning of the game, I can activate it to get a thing of wood from the forest. Similarly, along the way, you can get some wood, some stone, some ore, or as Mive calls it, the black things, the wood, and the tofu. Because she thinks the stone blocks <laughs> refer to tofu. That's what I get for marrying a vegetarian. Um, so you can also use it to get some swords. Or as you continue to upgrade, you can do some more interesting effects with the sort of things that you can do. With the core resources, the wood, the stone, and the ore, you can use those to buy new things. And so the game also comes with these different stacks of cards. And so some of the cards are a bunch of copies of the same sort of thing. So for instance, there's a bunch of copies of the lumber mill, which normally if you land on a place that gives you wood, you only get one wood out of your die. If you spend two wood, you can build a lumber mill and you replace, you put it on top of one of those spaces. And so later, if your die lands in a lumber mill, you can then use it to get two wood instead of only getting one wood. Or you can use it to replace one of the sword spots and get two wood instead of getting a sword. And so same thing with the ore, with the stone. And you can use it also to get two swords instead of one sword. So that's that's the basic method for how you upgrade your dice city, is by getting those resources to buy and build new locations, you put new locations on your board, and hopefully you'll roll those new locations later in order to get more of them. Now, the, the there's also a location deck. And so this is a deck of more unique locations, although they're not all unique. There's actually three copies of each in here. But these do more more special things. So, for example, there's some that let you put out new army locations, which are the places that give you extra swords, or give you extra swords, or let you re-roll dice, or just give you straight-up points. And so for these locations, typically, even just building them will give you points. So these cards have in the corner a point symbol. At the end of the game, for any cards that you still have on your board, you get to total all those up, and they add to your points within the game. So you may want to just pursue building as many of these locations as you can in order to get points from building those locations. So Um, Another way to get points is by using your armies. So I talked about how you can activate locations in order to get resources and build things. You can also activate locations to get swords. Now then, the game actually comes with tokens to track your resources. The game doesn't actually come with tokens to track your swords, um, which I think was potentially an oversight. Oops, they just didn't do it. Um, and the reason why they didn't do it is because you can't hold on to one of each of your resources each turn, but you can't hold on to your swords at all each turn. You can also steal resources from other people. You can't steal swords. The way you steal, the way you use swords is you can use them either to force another player to reroll dice. Which is awfully fun when you 're playing competitively against another player, <laughs> um, so you can force them to reroll dice, or you can even better you can deactivate a location if you spend sorts equal to the shield value of the location that you 're attacking, you can deactivate the location and if it has stars on it, you can continue to deactivate it and get that many points. So if one player built a really nice location. They can, You can continue to go over there and ping them, get the points at the location, and make sure that they never get to use it, which is also a very nice. fun thing to do when you're playing <laughs> multiplayer. Um, you can also use it to attack bandits, which is straight up trading in points uh, swords for points. There's a number of these bandit cards that are out on the board, and so they range in different values. For example, the basic one is three shield is two sor- stars. So if you get three swords, you can trade that in for two swords. Um, so that's how, So that's the sort of things you can do with swords. Um, you can also use swords to steal the other player's resources. Um, and the last way of getting points is by doing ships. If you get full sets of trade goods, so if you have two of each trade good, three of each trade good, or if you get four of each trade good... Is really hard to do, you can trade that in to buy a ship or trade goods with a ship, which can give you a lot of points. If you get four of each trade good, which is really hard because once again, you can only save over one of each trade good per turn. So you need to generate three of each in a turn and still have one saved from last time, which can be very hard. But that can get you 20 points, which is a huge amount of points. Hmm. Um and that's the last way of getting points. The game ends when various things happen. If you run out of all the trade ships, if you run out of all the location cards, if you run out of all the basic location cards, if you run out of all the bandits. Um, so there's various different ways of winning the game. When you're playing, when you're playing multiplayer, so everyone is racing to see how many points they can get before someone ends the game. When you're playing solitaire, when you're playing solo, you're racing to see each turn you have to discard four locations from the location deck, or five if you're playing more difficult. Um, and then at the end of the turn, at the, at, when you run out of cards in the, in the location deck, so that's going to end the game no matter what. And then if you got above 50 points, so the game says you win. If you didn't get above 50 points, then you don't win. And 50 points is a pretty median score that I found when you're playing multiplayer, um, although it depends upon the nature of the way the games they're playing with it. Um, but yeah, so you have to score 50 points when you, in order to win the game. Um, and the only way to keep track of points is with these star tokens. And these star tokens r- range from one, 3s, 5s. I don't even think there are any 10s in there. No, there are no 10s in there. Now, then, because this is a dice game, you need some way to mitigate the what you can do with the dice. So the basic thing that we've talked about, the only thing we've talked about right now, is you use the dice to change... To, to do the location that you're on, to do all of these different things to get points. You can also use dice to move another die. So if you rolled and you're so close to somewhere else, you can move a die left or right. You cannot move up and down, but you can move a die left or right to get over to somewhere that'll do a lot more good things for you. And so that's one way of mitigating the dice rolls. Another thing you can do to mitigate the dice rolls is you can pass with a die... And get a pass token. Now you can only do this once per turn, but the pass tokens are very useful because any time you can, you can always trade in two pass tokens for any one resource or any one sword, or you can force another player to re-roll one of their dice. So. Use these, these pass tokens can be very, very useful in doing it. For example, if you're trying to get that 20-point ship, getting a whole ton of pass tokens can make it much easier because you can have as many pass tokens as you want. You're not limited, um, which is good because they gave you a lot more pass tokens than anything else in the game. So that's the way, and you can also use a die to reactivate a deactivated location if someone shot at you or if one of the locations deactivated itself. Um, so those are all the different actions that you can do with the dice, and essentially the goal of the game is to continue rolling dice, use the dice to activate locations, and keep going until you get the most points. Okay. It sounds almost like Imperial Settler.
0: It really sounds like the similar engine building kind of thing.
1: I, it kind of feels like a mix of Machi Core and Imperial Settlers to me, because mm-hmm. you're you're building up your engine, you're getting these extra locations, and you're doing extra things. But as opposed to really – it's not so much a resource management, especially since you're limited on how many resources you can store. Um, it's more about trying to use those dice successfully to do it like like in Machikoro, where you're trying to have the dice land on what it is that you already have. I don't think it suffers from some of the issues that it has in Machi because here you have such a wide amount of things going on in the board that I don't feel like you're – really stuck in one specific strategy like like happened to me at least in machikoro (laughs) um so yeah one of the the issues i did have with it though when you're playing solo um the game has you set up that you get one of each type of bandit and one of each type of ship and you never actually collect those cards you just trade them straight in for points and you have to track how many points you have up to 50 for me that that actually became kind of hard because when you're tracking with the cards and the points and the the locations and everything else, it becomes much easier to track it along a track using you know a spot for ones and a spot for tens, and I really wish they had included at the very least in the rule book a space that just has those cards printed right on it, one copy of each printed on it with a track to move some sort of token around instead of having to continue to keep track of it with, the, with the stars, because you simply, for me, at least I run out of stars and I have to make change constantly when I'm doing it. So I really yeah. wish they had included that track, you know, even just printed right in the rule book. I wish they had done that. Um, and I keep telling myself, cause I played the game a bunch of times and I keep telling myself, I'm going to go take the cards. I'm going to scan them in and I'm just going to make one, just scan it in and make one for myself just so I don't have to keep pulling out one of each of those cards. Um, <laughs> I've yet to do it. Um, the game also comes with a nice vacuum packed insert, which has six wells for different decks of cards, one slightly more shallow well for something, and one well for the dice. I don't get this insert. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) I'm very confused by this insert because I'm not sure what they intended you to put in these wells. Now, I know that there are expansions coming, but I don't understand what you're intended to put in these wells. These wells are have holes in the side of them to make it easy to pull out cards. So it looks like the wells are designed to have cards in them. If I split up everything, each type of card to its own deck, I have more than six decks of cards. And they also become very small decks. So, for example, you know, it would, a single deck of the lumber is only like, what, a half an inch, if even in height. But the wells are almost two and a half inches in height. So, I can fit wow. almost, I can fit half the cards in the game in a well, in, in one well, instead of having to put a sixth of the cards in a well. So the wells are just overly large, and then they don't have any wells for all the different resources. I I guess they expected you to throw all of the different cardboard tokens into the one really small well? Mm. They don't really even all fit for me. (laughs) So, maybe it's...
0: they they had the insert and they forgot something like that. The, it sounds like they're they're making room for lots of components, or I am sorry, upgrades, lots of, cards. and for sleeving cards. Yeah, it
1: could be that they're just trying to make room for extra cards. I don't know. All it, and all sleeving is,
0: maybe, which is nice.
1: Do they fit sleeved? Do you think, or is it really snug? Uh, I did well. They're all mini Euro cards. They're mini cards. Mm hmm. Um, I think they would fit sleeved, but I haven't tried because I don't have any sleeves for this size cards. Okay. They're not really snug, but I don't think there's quite – maybe there is. I'm not sure.
0: Hmm. Well, that's interesting.
1: Um. But, yeah, I think that there's really – there's almost, to me, two core strategies when you're playing the game. Is there's the strategy of getting a lot of production to build more buildings and use trade ships, whichever becomes more optimal. And there's the other one that is get a lot of swords – to go with the bandits and attack the other players. And to me, really, I think all the strategies sort of devolve just into those two types of strategy. Although s- how specifically things work out can really be based on luck of the dice, um, about whether or not you're going to be able to do that and if you have to change-, change horses midstream. But really, I think that all the strategies really just come down to one of those two things. Um, it's, it's, a light, it's a light game. It's not a really heavy, deep, thinky game. Because, I mean, really, there's dice involved and it's only a couple of resources involved. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with it devolving just to those two strategies. This is is not a heavy game. Um, So I'm okay with it devolving to just those two basic strategies and having some more specifics. Because really, with the deck of location cards, you have cards that help both of those strategies. Both get a lot of resources and get a lot of swords. And they help in different ways about how to interact and how to do things. So it's not the exact same way you do those two strategies. But for me, really, it devolves into just one of those two strategies. Okay. Uh,
0: um, How long does a solo game last?
1: Uh, for me, it's been lasting about a half hour. Okay. So it doesn't take very long to play through a solo game. It also, it's a matter of, I mean, it's a matter of how quickly you can think about what to do. Because you'll have five dice on the board. You'll have to think how do you want to move them around in order to be able to get what it is that you want to move on and so sometimes that can take a bit of thought so it depends upon how much thinking you're doing on it i tend not i i I tend not to really have to spend too long thinking about that in order to get to a solution of one sort or the other Mm -hmm, gotcha okay all right so it sounds like it's an all right game Um, it's definitely an, I I definitely say it's an all right game. I'm actually, I really do enjoy playing it. It's, it's a lighter game. Um, so Mm. for what it is that it's aiming for, I think it's aiming to be lighter, especially with the elements of the card art and the depth to it. It's not going to be a heavy game, but for a dice rolling, lighter empire building game, especially, you know, for something, you know, I put this in the category of, you know, out of the night, you're not really looking to do something so heavy and really deep and thinky, but for doing a lighter resource building game and resource generation game to build these resources, there's a fair amount of replayability there's a fair amount of play in it there's a fair amount of different things you can do and thinking that goes into it um but yeah, it's kind of light, so yeah, I definitely say it's a pretty it's it's a good game it's not an amazing awesome game, cool, but yeah. it's definitely a good game i have I haven't really found any flaws to it yet, like I have with some other games that go into this. Um this weight class, okay, which is probably probably the best thing I can say about um yeah, I just i haven't i really haven't found any flaws playing it. It plays nice and light and simple. The only real flaw I have about it is the downtime when you're playing multiplayer um when you're playing multiplayer, you sometimes have to wait a long time between when it's your turn and when it's someone else's, and the reason for that is because. You have to wait to figure out what it is and how they want to use their dice. And although your dice are displayed on your board so you can be thinking about how you want to do it, sometimes your plans will change. Especially if you're playing with someone who's going with swords, they can go and interrupt your plans by attacking your ship. Mm -hmm. I know that my wife is a huge fan of doing that to me, like on the final turn. (laughs) I know I can get... That one yeah, you know, especially when I'm going for that twenty-point ship. I'm like, I know I can get that twenty-point ship and get twenty points and I will for sure win. She's like, No, you're not, because I'm gonna use my source and interrupt your plans because I see what you're doing. I'm gonna interrupt your plans by deactivating that one location and now you're short dice. Okay. <laughs> and so each time we're like, okay, well I will do it this time. Nope, you're still not gonna do it this time. I will do it this time. Nope, you're still not gonna do it this time. <laughs> and so yeah, she loves doing that to me. <laughs> Um, And so that sometimes even though you're thinking about it, you have to wait until they finish their turn before you can really think about what it is that you're going to be able to do with your dice. Another thing that hurts that fact is on the board, there's a number of different spots for the Traveler. The Traveler lets you re-roll dice on that spot. Um, The Traveler is really not interesting, and you kind of want to leave him strategically because as long as the traveler is being is left on the board it adds more chance for all the other locations to be powerful Mm -hmm. so for example let's say you want to have a a row of all metal for example if you fill up the whole row of all metal and then one traveler you don't need to fill up that last spot you can just leave him Mm -hmm. be as the traveler so the Traveler, which is on the default board, and I don't think there's any locations like that, makes it easier to be able to get all of those cards like you want. It's it's a very uninteresting location yep. and strategic. Once you realize that piece of strategy, you're like, oh, that's an obvious piece of strategy to just leave it there. Um, Just a weakness in that particular location.
0: Yeah, I see. That makes sense. It'd be
1: nice if, like, it, it. sometimes you'd want to change it throughout the game, but it doesn't sound like that'll happen very much at all. There's only a couple times. Like, there's some of the cards that say, well, you can activate half of every single other harvest spot, every other resource spot on this row. So for then, you may want to do it just in order to double up on those. Usually you want to leave it for last. <laughs> that's usually okay. what I'm saying. But I mean that's it's it's a very minor quibble, and the downtime is a very minor quibble. I think that really for where, where this where this game is shooting for, it's a pretty good one. I think that for its category, it's a pretty good one.
0: Okay, very
1: cool. And who is it by? Uh, it is by AEG, and it's by someone whose name I can't pronounce: Vangelis Bagia. Begiatarchus? begiarticus, Oh, okay. Be- Be- Begiatarchus? Yes. Something like
0: that. Talk- Be- Begiatarchus. It looks like maybe a Greek name or something. I don't know.
1: Huh.
0: Well, hopefully we didn't pronounce it too incorrectly.
1: If we did, sorry about that. But I will say I'm having a lot of fun playing it. I'm having a lot of fun bringing it to other people to play. Um, and it's a lot of fun for the light die rolling. Mm-hmm
0: area. And it's not too much. I've seen it at the game show. I think it's like forty dollars. No idea. It's about that yeah.
1: Oh, Alright, and that's Dice City. Alright. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. I think I probably would have just cut already.
0: Oh, we're cut. cut. So then you won't hear from us again. I mean, you will, but you won't hear this from us.
1: Oh, yeah. I think at that point <laughs> I was thinking I'd already been going to the music because that was lame. Yeah, out.
0: well, not everything. Lame. I and mean, that could be, you should keep it all then.
1: Lame. Keep the lame. Keep, keep it. No, I'm not going to keep the lame. Well,
0: skip the lame and go on to the extra lame. Okay, I'm going to stop recording then. <laughs> Oh, boy.